0: thank you, Lord, that the battle is not ours. I love that truth, that whatever battle that we're going through, it could be a small battle of getting through the traffic this morning, or it could be a massive battle that we're facing in our lives. Whatever the battle is, Ultimately, it's not our battle to fight, but it is the Lord's. He says it is mine. And when we give him our battles, when we hand off trying to sort stuff out, he takes care of our battles and he takes us to victory. So we give him a praise this morning. Amen. Amen. I wonder how many of you are um, in that place today where you feel like life is in a battle. You know, we've gone through some stuff recently, haven't we? And life gets a bit hard. I wanna read a scripture for you to, to start with. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, it's in Hebrews and we're going to chapter 12. I'll just give you a few moments to get there with me. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're starting at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing, we've sung it all today, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Oh, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Fixing our eyes on who? Not fixing our eyes on ourselves, not fixing our eyes on our problems, not fixing our eyes on our battles, but fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him, Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I don't know about you, but I never envisaged in in 2019 the new vocabulary that we would have to learn for 2020 and 21. You know, shout out some phrases that you've learned this year and the past season. Social distance, yeah? Yeah. Tell me some more. Come on, you can interact. You're on mute. I'm on mute. (laughs) Am I really? (laughs) Oh, Donna. Lateral flow, that's a good one. Um, Super spreader, isolating. There's all these new words that we've come to know with a different meaning. And what about the climate situation going on right now? What about the trouble going on in Afghanistan and the Taliban taking ground again? What about the the fuel shortages? Who's been queuing up at petrol stations in recent weeks? What about even the volcanoes are erupting around the world? I think there's about 26 at the last count all erupting at the same time. And what about the food shortages and so many other things going on in our lives? You know, we we could say that we're in a season where it is so easy to grow weary and to lose heart because we certainly have good reason. We have tangible evidence affecting us where we can rightly say, I'm I'm getting weary in this season. I'm losing heart in this season. And yet, as I go through life, because I'm getting on a bit now, I realize it's not always the the big, massive stuff that pull us down. But I love a phrase in the Bible, it says about the little foxes. And it seems to be the little foxes that really knock us over the edge. The little foxes that, that cause us to grow weary and our hearts to grow faint. It's things like, you know, slander, gossip, criticism, It's things like broken relationships and and broken hopes and broken dreams and broken trust and broken hearts. And we could be going along in this thing called life and and trying to do the best we can and something throws us a curveball and yet it's the small things that knock us down and cause our hearts to break. And I think we're only trying to run this race, this thing called life, and get on with it, and yet we get knocked down by such little stuff. Because we're all in a race. Just go back to that scripture. It's talking about, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. When this was written, When this was actually physically written back in the day, the people reading it firsthand would know straight away what the writer is talking about. He is talking about a race, a foot race, where they did things like the original Olympics. This was set in the Israel in the Greco-Roman days. And so the reader was straight away familiar that, that Paul the writer is talking about life. He's talking about running the race of life. You know, the word race, it it, it, it means that you are set on a course, that you are moving somewhere. That There is a duration of time. You know, we often say that when we can't sleep, it's because our mind is racing, it's moving. And so this word race is talking about our lives because we're moving from beginning to end and all the stuff that's happening in between. The minute we're born, we enter this race called the human race. We enter this race we call life. And this race that we're running has ups and downs, it has twists and turns, it has seasons, it has challenges, It has changes, it has twists, it has turns, it has traumas, and it has transitions, because this race that we're talking about is not like a marathon or a, sorry, it's not like a sprint, but it's like a marathon. And in a marathon, there are seasons. You run a little bit on a certain way, and then you hand over this baton, and someone else takes it a bit further. And our lives are like running a marathon race where we go from season to season to season. And as we go from season to season to season, hopefully the presence and the power of God in our lives is taking us on a journey with him that takes us from glory to glory to glory. But only when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, Because when all that junk hits our lives, when all the changes happen and the traumas happen and the transitions happen, the thing that keeps us going is keeping us going, is following our faith in Jesus Christ. That's where our focus needs to be. But did you get that bit that said, the race marked out for us? You see, each and every one of us has a race which is individual to us. Each one of us has a race that is personal to us. Each and every one of us, God Almighty, has planned a race for us to run. But so often we're running the wrong race or maybe we're out in someone else's lane instead of running the lane that God has assigned to us. God, when we were born... Deep down in our inner being, he planted his plan for our lives, his purpose for our lives. He, what we, the life we were meant to live can only be truly and fully lived when we are in the race with God Almighty. Life was never meant to be lived without God. In Acts 17, 28, it says, For in him we live and move, and have our being. When we are outside of him, we're not really living. We're not really moving. We're not really entering into the race that God destined and preordained for us to run. We are created, we are redeemed, we are called on purpose for a purpose. And deep within our inner beings, God has deposited within us gifts and talents to run this perfect race to the racetrack of our lives. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that won't last. Yeah, you know, I've been watching the Olympics and I, I love watching the Olympics. I'm not so good at actually playing the sports, but I love watching it. And that when they get that gold, gold that, that medal, and whether they get a bronze or a silver, they have trained for years and years to reach that ultimate crown, the medal. And yet it doesn't last. But we as Christians, when we are running the race that God has set for us, we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. So don't run like someone running aimlessly. This is Paul telling us this, it's written in the Bible. Don't run like someone aiming aimlessly. He also goes on to say, don't don't punch like a boxer into the air. I don't know if you watched the boxing yesterday, but what Paul is saying to us, this life that the human race has given, this race that we are running, what are we running for? Are we running for ourselves? Are we running for others? Are we running for fortune or for fame or for position or for power? But ultimately, the only satisfaction that we get is when we run the race that God has created for us to run. I wonder this morning in this place or watching at home, are you in his race? What race are you in right now? I know when my kids were younger, my race was running around after the kids and keeping that all in check. But there are many races that we try and run. The only race that God is asking us to step into is that of following him, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think of a marathon, because this is written way back when they started the Olympic Games back in Greece and Rome and those places. And one of the most famous races they did was the marathon of where they passed on the baton. But there is a crucial element that we can learn from this race called the marathon, and it is called the exchange I don't know about you, but I've got to confess, the only exchange that I'm really familiar with is taking my clothes back to the shop because I don't like them. I buy so much stuff and then I take it back because I've changed my mind. I'm not that bad, but I can be that bad. But that is the exchange I think of. I don't think of an exchange in a race, but in a relay race, the exchange zone is the most crucial point of a race. It's the most important place of whether they win or whether they lose. And it all takes place in a 20-meter zone, which is quite small, and they have to pass this baton from one runner to the next in 1.4 seconds. If the baton isn't passed correctly within that zone, the whole team are disqualified. If the baton isn't passed properly and it drops to the floor, the whole team are disqualified. I guess we think that's not fair, but this baton has to pass from runner to runner in a seamless fashion with no decrease in pace, without losing speed, without losing momentum, otherwise the whole team gets disqualified. As I said, I like to watch the Olympic races, but a few years ago in particular, I was watching the US team, the US women's relay team, Back in 2000, it was in Sydney. And uh, as they came into the the relay, as they came into the the zone, the exchange zone area, um, as they passed from button to button, as they passed from runner to runner, they were sloppy and they lost grip. And this button fell to the floor. The whole team was disqualified straight away. In 2004, they came back, the US women's team, and they were in Athens. And again, they were running. Now, these women were the fittest, the fastest in all the world. And here they were in Athens four years later, having trained so hard. And yet, when they came into the exchange zone, again, they were late passing over the baton. And they were disqualified because they were over and outside of that zone area. 2008, they're back again. This time, they're in Beijing. And again, they are the fittest. They are the fastest. They are the strongest women runners in the whole world and they are destined to win. But as they worked as a team together, again, they were sloppy. Again, they were late passing over the baton and again, they didn't come home with the medal they wanted. When the team went back to the US, they started to examine what is it that's wrong? How can it be that these women who are the fastest, the fittest in the whole world, yet as they're working together as a team, they are getting disqualified. They are not winning the race. See, these people, these women, were being coached individually. The culture of America at that time in the sports world was was a coach system where you would be personally coached through your training. They didn't come together as a team until it was time to race. They didn't know each other. They didn't know the quirks. They didn't know how to hand over properly. And they were all individually being coached by individual coaches. Because They had a mentality and a reputation to keep. They were famous and they wanted to win. And the win was my win. It wasn't about the team winning, but each runner was acting like they were an individual running their own race for their own glory. It was about my win, my medal, my glory, my reputation, my fame. In fact, if you look into the sports celebrate, celebrate world. Many sports, famous sports people do not want to run a relay race because they have to rely on others. Also, they don't want to share their glory. But these team members were brought together They started to train together instead of alone. They started to prefer one another's needs. They started to learn about each other. They started to get it that it wasn't about an individual race. They started to realize it was about being a team and that they needed to be together to win. In 2012, they came to London and this time they ran Together, they ran in unity. They worked as a full team and they smashed it and they took home the gold medal. And then in 2016 in Rio, they took the gold medal. And 2021, a bit delayed because of uh, COVID, they were in Tokyo. And again, they smashed the records and they got the gold. You see, teamwork makes the dream work. We cannot do life alone and win. I've got to break it to you gently that we are created to run this life with others. We're not created to run this journey alone. We need other people. We need unity. We need people to help us up when we're down. And we need to be people that can bow down and help others up when they're down. We need each other. If we try and run this race, this human race, this thing called life by ourselves as an individual, just caring about ourselves, then we will not win. And the same happens in the church. The church is not a building. The church is a people of God a called out people, a separated people, an anointed people, a people loved by God, a people anointed by God to do good works. God is using his church to reach the nations, but he needs us to work together as a team. Many years ago, I took my, um, I took a journey from um, London to Northampton and normally I got the quick train And so it got me home really quickly without many stops. But I'd missed this train on this particular day. And the train I'd got onto, I don't know what it was, but I'm not kidding you. There was probably about 30 stops from London to Northampton. And I was getting pretty annoyed every time we set off. Then the next minute we were slowing down again, back into another station. The doors would open and people would get off and more people would come on. Then we'd go a little bit further and it was stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And I was really getting annoyed with this. I wanted to be home, I was tired. And I just felt the Holy Spirit show me something on that train journey. And it was this, if we are going to zoom through life, run through life, racing through life, and we're not prepared to slow down, to stop a little while and allow people onto our journey, also allow people off our journey, then we will not win the race because we cannot do life alone. We cannot do this race alone. There are seasons in life when we need certain people alongside us. There are seasons in life when we need to slow down and open our arms and invite people into our world. And there are seasons in life where we need to slow down, open our doors and let people out of our world. It works both ways, but it's teamwork because God has not called us to be an isolated people. He's called us to do life with other people, to rub shoulders with other people. And when we rub shoulders with other people, it's a bit like sandpaper, and we rub the hardness off each other, and sometimes we're surrounded by people that really we don't want to be with, but God uses those people to, to smooth us out and to make us more pliable in his hands because we are called to do life with others. A few years ago, many years ago actually, I took my daughter Becky to a woman's conference, I didn't want to. I went to this conference called Cherish, and it was my time out with the girls, with the ladies, all on my own, and I loved it. We went for meals, and we did all this. We got our heels on and dressed up, and we had a great blast at the conference. But this one year, this one year, I just felt a nudge in the Holy Spirit, take your daughter. I didn't want to take her. This is my time alone. This was my time with my friends. Take your daughter. I really didn't want to take her. I don't think she really wanted to come either. And eventually I said, no, you're coming with me. And that was a fight. She didn't really want to come with me. And she came and at the time she she wore this tiny little skirt. And so I'm trying to like pull it down because I'm going with my friends and I don't want them getting the wrong impression of my teenage daughter. Anyway, she, she moaned all the way there. And I just thought, I have made the biggest mistake. I have ruined my weekend. I want to be alone. I want to be with my friends. I want to enjoy myself. I don't want to be mum on this weekend. We got to the conference. And the moment we got into that place, my teenage daughter, she was about 12. She walked through the doors and then she just dropped to her knees and she just praised God. And when she came back from that conference, she was transformed. She actually preached her first message. And yesterday, she was ordained a reverend in the Ealing movement. And I'm just saying that sometimes, we've gotta be willing to take people along the journey of our life, not for ourselves, not for our blessing, but because God wants to bless others. If I had persisted and said, no, that's my area, that's my time with my girlfriends, you're not coming, then I just wonder if I'd have missed out on a moment in God for my daughter that was pivotal. We've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be ready to open our lives to take other people on board and embrace them in, because the journey is not just ours alone, but the journey is to include others. You know, just before we get to this scripture in Hebrews 11, it talks about being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. It talks about Abel, and Enoch, and Noah, and Abraham, and and Jacob, and Isaac, and, and Moses, and Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and David, and that's just to mention a few. You need to read Hebrews 11, and they are there. These amazing people of God are in the word of God for one thing, importantly, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to show us that with faith, We can do amazing things. But all these people brought something into the kingdom of God. They were servants of God. They brought into the kingdom something that built the kingdom of God. And I wonder today, what is it that we can bring into the kingdom of God? What is it that we are bringing into our church? What is it that we are bringing to build the people of God and to build our church? church, because it matters who we team up with. Iron sharpens iron, but bad company corrupts a character. I want to ask you a question today. Who are you doing life with? Who is on your team? Whose team are you on? Are the people around you that you're running this race with, are they encouraging to you? Do they strengthen you? Are they for you? Because the team that God wants you to be a part of is a team that says, I am for you. I am with you. I uphold you. And as God says, I never leave you and I will never forsake you. The other thing about the race, we've talked about the exchange zone, but the most important thing in this race is not the runners. It's not whether they they run fast or slow. They need to run fast, but it's not ultimately about them. It's about what they carry. They are carrying a baton from the beginning to the end, from runner to runner to runner. They are passing over something. And as they carry this baton from the beginning to end, it has got to stay seamlessly. It's got to be the fastest thing in the race, not the runner, the baton. It's got to be the one thing that goes from the start and ends up at the finishing line. It has to cross over the finishing line. This is the one thing that they carry, the one thing that they've got to protect. This is why they are in the race, because of what they are carrying. Passing the baton says to give a responsibility for something very important to someone. The outgoing runner has to sustain Speed. The outgoing runner is the one that's running and ready to give the baton to the next person. The outgoing runner must not slow down. The outgoing runner must keep focusing forward. The incoming runner is the one that has run in with no baton. You see, while the the runner is running with the baton, the one who's going to take over this baton is already running without a baton in their hand. They're already doing the job. They're already showing what they can do. They're already getting involved. There are things in our lives that we start to show. Maybe even in church life, we start doing the stuff before we're asked to do the stuff. I love that about church. When I see people helping and serving even before they're asked to do it, that is getting ready to take over the baton. So they've already run a certain way without holding on to the baton. Then the outgoing runner positions the baton for the new person to take over. They don't let go until they feel the grip. And when they feel that grip, Then they stand away and they just watch the new runner run with that thing. And what I'm trying to show you, there are seasons in our lives. There are seasons when we carry a baton, when we carry a responsibility, but then there's a time to hand it over or to let go. And when we do that, our hands are off completely. We have no say now on where that baton's going or how fast it's going to run because we've done our bits but when we are running with that baton, that is our time. That is our season to run at our very, very best. And when we've got that baton, we focus ahead, we focus forward. You know, I've got some grandchildren, and uh, have you ever tried to do pass the parcel with little toddlers? When the music is going and then it stops and they get the parcel and they start to unwrap the parcel, they realize it's a gift. And when the music starts again, instead of letting go of the parcel, they grab hold onto it because they know it's full of gifts. But you see, because they're immature, they don't understand that they've got to let go of it and hand it over to someone else. Buttons, callings from God, the gifts that God gives us, the seasons that we run with. These batons are not meant to be held onto. They're meant to be passed on. Moses passed a baton onto Joshua. David passed a baton onto Solomon. Elijah passed a baton onto Elisha. Paul passed a baton onto Timothy. And Jesus Christ has passed the baton onto his church. And that's where we are today. Jesus Christ has passed the baton on to you and me. He's saying, there you go, run with that. Build my church. Build my church and run with the baton. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. We run our bestest race when we are serving God Almighty. The best race that you and I can run is carrying the baton of Jesus Christ and all he calls us to do. What baton are you carrying? We need to be crossing the finishing line of our life, holding onto the baton. If you get over the finishing line of a race and you're not holding onto the baton, you are disqualified. I want to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. When I cross over the finishing line, I want to be holding on to the baton that God has given me to carry through this life, this race that I'm running for him. I wonder if the band could come back for a moment. You know, in this world, in this life, you can be the fastest at what you do. You can be the fittest in what you do. You can be the finest in what you do. You can even be the most famous in what you do. You can be the most richest, cleverest at what you do. But if you reach your life at the end without holding the baton that God has asked you to carry through this life, it's a disqualification. It doesn't count. All around this building, I just want you to consider one more question and all of you watching online right now, what is in your hand? What baton are you carrying? You know, there's a story in Exodus 4 verse two, and it says this, the Lord said to Moses, Moses, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. I just wanna pause for a moment. There are some of you that you've been carrying a baton for the Lord, but something's happened in your life, and it's become like a snake, and it's bitten you, and you've dropped it on the ground. Maybe today, it might be your time to pick that thing back up. And the Lord said then, this is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God is gonna place a baton in your hands today because it's from him. And he wants you to know the glory and the power that is behind what he has called you to carry. The Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak, Moses. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took out his hand, the skin was leprous as snow. It had become white. Now put it back into your cloak, Moses. So Moses put it back into his cloak. And when he pulled it out again, his hand was restored. It was clean. It was clean given it was the same color as the rest of his flesh I don't know about you but it makes me think was this the same hand that Moses killed the Egyptian with was this the same hand that Moses stepped out of the will of God and took things into his own control and used his own hands to deal with the situation and it caused him to sin it caused him to kill someone Was this the same hand that got him into trouble? Was this the same hand that sent him onto the backside of a desert for another 40 years to hide in shame? Was this the same hand right now that caused him to run away and be disqualified from the race? I wonder in your life, what is it that has caused you to drop the baton? What is it has caused you to be disqualified? or disengaged, or demoralized. You know, Galatians 5 says this, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What caused you to drop the baton? Just one moment as you think. In these few moments now, I just sense the Holy Spirit is gonna use this time to enable some of you to pick up that baton again, to restore, to cleanse, to heal, to anoint, to empower, to recommission, to give a fresh start, to cause you to be ready to serve. I wonder if you wanted to stand with me a moment as we get ready to worship God. What is in your hand? Hold your hands out in front of you and look at your hands. What is in your hand right now? What is the baton that God has placed in your hand that no one else can do? Maybe you think other people can do it. Maybe you've forgotten that you can do it. Maybe you think you haven't got the grace to do it. Maybe you feel ashamed and you're like Moses, you've, you've hidden it away, you've dropped it because of something you've messed up in. But what I love about God, no matter what we do, He restores us. He puts us back in that place, back in that race. He puts the baton back in our hands. And He asks us today, will you run? Will you carry that baton? When you carry that baton, what is it that you are carrying? Maybe you are carrying a hope. Maybe you are carrying a dream. Maybe you are carrying a gift that God wants you to use in the church. What is it that you are carrying for the kingdom of God? God gave you every gift that you've got. It's not of yourself. You know, even to come to church today, We take an army of volunteers, people who welcome you on the door. This amazing band that leads us into a high place in worship. They are carrying the baton of their gifts. Maybe you can preach, maybe you can teach, maybe you can pray. What is it that is in your hand today? What has God put in your hand that you need to take up that baton? You need to get in that race and you need to run. You know tony if you just lift up your sticks as high as possible as we were worshiping before i just sensed that the holy spirit was saying to you tony who cut in on you you were running a good race you know that god has put a baton in your hands why have you let it drop and sometimes You get confused or sometimes you listen to the wrong people. But I just pray right now that from this moment on, God is going to increase your wisdom. He's going to increase your discernment. And he's going to enable you to run with a baton that he has put in your hands. Sometimes people misunderstand you, but God does not misunderstand you. He's not taken it away, but he's put it back in your hands. And for some of you in this place today or watching at home, I want you as we worship this last song, I want you to make afresh to God that vow that you will pick up that baton again, that gift of God that builds his church, that builds his kingdom, and you will get back into his race, that maybe you've been running someone else's lane, you've been running the wrong race, and now now is a new day. And we say, sorry, Lord, and we receive the baton you have given to us and we take hold of it and we run. Look at your hand now. Look at your hands. Father God, I pray for everyone right now with outstretched hands to you. Those, Lord, that know what their baton is, I pray you will confirm their calling. You will confirm their gifting. And, Lord God, that you will enable them and make them strong to step into the race and to use that baton for your glory, to build your church, to build your kingdom. That, Lord God, they will lay aside all the constraints and the excuses that they have given. And, Lord, that they will put you first. And that, Father God, they will take hold of it and they will run. And for those, Lord, right now that don't really know what they are carrying, I pray for the wisdom of God to come, that you would open up their eyes of understanding and that you would deposit in them their call, their gifting. Open up their eyes so they will know what their baton looks like, that you will give them the unction to get up and to step into the race. You see, church... We need each other. We cannot do this call of God alone or independent or isolated. We need you. We need each other. And as we worship and give God glory today, we are making a new pledge. We are saying, yes, Lord, I am here. I am ready. I am willing and I am ready to step into the race And carry the baton that you have given me. And I'm going to run with all my strength. I'm going to run with all my might. Because I want to reach that finishing line. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.